Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome to The Spiritual Forum, everyone. So glad you're here. This will be airing the Monday before Christmas, and so I thought we would have a Christmas-themed podcast today, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, but I wanted to first just really take a moment to share my gratitude for all the listeners and the way this podcast is beginning to take off, and just really appreciate all people who are listening, all people who uh, give me feedback, all people who leave reviews, all people who donate, and all people who share, especially. It's really great to have this voice out in the world because this is a voice of hope and inspiration and awakening. And don't you think the world needs some of that? <laughs> so that's what I'm about. I've got a really, really broad spectrum of guests and stories on this podcast. I don't really narrow it down. So Anybody can get something from everybody because everybody has a unique story and there's always a nugget of something that can land on your heart. I, I do know that because I learned something from everybody. So just so glad that everyone's here and Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and um, all of that. Okay, let me introduce my guests today. I'm so glad to have Katie Mahon and Joan Hill back. They are the authors of The Miracle Collectors and... If you may uh, recall, they were my guests on episodes 144 and 145, which is back in July of 2021. And uh, it just had so many amazing miracle stories. And today we're going to be talking about miracle stories around Christmas and around the holidays. So let me just introduce Katie. Katie Mahon became a miracle expert the hard way. At 19, she walked away from serial killer Ted Bundy with the help of a stranger who appeared seemingly out of nowhere. Mahan has a Bachelor of Science degree in Psychology from Santa Clara University, and she spent nearly 20 years in banking before staying home with her two daughters. A transplant from San Francisco Bay Area, Mahan now lives in New York City with her husband and enjoys chasing more than miracles with her three grandchildren. Is there an update there, Katie? Any more yeah, than three? Four, four grandchildren. Okay, I should have asked. <laughs> four grandchildren. <laughs> okay, Joan Louise Hill's introduction to miracles evolved as a series of coincidences that ultimately could not be ignored. After a 30-year career in medical administration and advancing innovative medical solutions, her expertise was put to the test to save the life of her son. She has a master's degree from University of Connecticut and a Bachelor of Science from Boston College, and having lived in several states with three adult children and families spread across the country, um, Joan and her husband are avid and constant travelers. And and both these ladies uh, wrote this wonderful book called The Miracle Collectors, and they shared their personal miracles in episodes 144 and 145. So I really invite you to go back and and listen to those because they really they really uh, it's a it's a great great uh, couple podcasts. Um, so anyway, welcome, ladies. Thank you, thank you, Carol. Thanks for having us, especially this time of year. Yeah, Merry yeah. Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, I just thank you. Merry Christmas to you all too. Happy holidays to everybody. Um, I I just to give everyone some background, I, I kind of scrambled to put this together because I was inspired by a friend of mine, um, Debbie Evan Rosales, and she used to be in my spiritual community when I was doing church. 
And she posted this most amazing miracle story on her Facebook page. And I'm like, wow, I would love to get people together to just talk about miracles that happened to them around Christmas and the holidays. And I didn't really have time to do that, but I did call the miracle collectors because they've got a collection of stories that they can share with you. Uh, but I thought that I would just share quickly uh, my friend Debbie's story. She gave me permission to do so. And... Um, and I probably have her on the podcast sometime because she has so many interesting encounters with, with spirit. So this is what she wrote. Um, she, she shared this picture. It's a picture of a bunch of angels and um, kind of a choral, chorus of angels. And I'll put that on the podcast page so you can see it better. And this is her story about it. She says, this picture reminded me of a Christmas miracle that happened one Christmas Eve. I was getting a divorce, and my husband got to spend Christmas with my children. I never felt so alone that Christmas Eve without them. So I sat on the stairs of my empty living room and began to cry so hard, feeling so lonely and sad. Then all of a sudden, I felt illuminated snow is the best way I can describe the energy start to fall. It was so loving, I couldn't believe it. And then I felt the presence of angels, so thick standing in circular rows above me, maybe a hundred, all sending me love. And then the most amazing thing happened. They all began to sing. I know some people say that Christmas is not true, but here I was included in their celebration. Joy to the world echoed in my home and in my heart. Silent Night, A Little Child of Bethlehem, and all the famous songs were sung. This went on for approximately a half an hour. And then she says, as I gaze upon this picture, I remember the time that I was invited into the circle of angels celebrating Christmas. So that's a pretty wild story. It's a it's wonderful a, story. That's a great story. That is absolutely a great story. And it just shows you how love transcends and comes to us, you know, when we need it most, I think. You and know? and I, yeah, and I think that the timing of those types of things is, it, it is when, when, as Joan said, we need it the most. And it reminds me of a story actually that I just thought of while you were <laughs> telling that story that um, I should know off the top of my head because it's actually in the book. But um, I have a sister whose birthday is around Christmas time, uh, you know, late December 17th to be exact. So is that tomorrow? <laughs> I better yes. not forget. Um, but in any case, she was, you know, our, our dad died um, when she was 18 years old and uh, she had just had a baby. Um, you know, at some point that year. And so her, her first daughter, Carolyn was crawling around the living room floor and there's Christmas music playing. And she just started to cry because it was a moment when she wished so much that dad um, would have been able to know her then, or know that it was her birthday or, uh, you know, at least know of her daughter and uh, her daughter, Carolyn, goes and is pulling books as, you know, little babies will do off the bottom shelf of her bookshelf. And she pulls the Bible. Oh, and I have to go back a bit. My dad, who didn't, he wrote us a letter every year on our birthday. Um, and as Mary would say, she wasn't the best stewards of those yet, those letters. And, and as she was crying, she was thinking what I would give to have one of those letters now. I wish, you know, I wish I'd kept them. I wish I'd, you know, taken better care of them. And so anyway, Carolyn pulls out one of the books she pulls out is the Bible, which flips open because there's a marker in it. And in the Bible is one of the letters from my dad. Uh, so that's kind of her her miracle story. And obviously she she picked up and she read the letter. And I have some of the words from the letter in the in the book. Um, but it really was a testament to 
how love, as Joan said, transcends, you know, even when somebody's gone, um, you know, that sense of longing and, and having it show up at a time when you needed it the most. Yeah, I think that our times of despair are, I mean, that, that, that bottom, that, that dark night of the soul, and that's, you know, we're so vulnerable, so vulnerable, and that's the time where spirit, God, the light, the source, <laughs> the miracles, the angels, you know, can really show, show up for us. And I think the holidays are, I think we know that the holidays are particularly hard for people who've experienced some kind of loss. And in the case of Debbie, it was the loss of her. I mean, she didn't physically lose her children, but she was having yeah. her first Christmas completely yeah. alone. And I that, love the story of your your sister finding that letter. It's so serendipitous. I mean, when I heard your story of your friend, I resonated with the the sounds of an, angels singing because that reminded me of a one of the wonderful sort of historical stories that happened on Christmas Eve. And it was, you know, in the middle of a forest in, you know, deep, dark Belgium um, on Christmas Eve of 1914, in the middle of the Great War, World War One. And as the story goes, you know, there's nowhere to, fare, to feel more alone, I suspect, than in a, a foxhole in the middle of a war mm -hmm. zone with the, you know, Germans on one side and the British on the other. And again, it was Christmas Eve. And uh, um, as the story goes, the, the English heard singing. They heard noise coming from across the field. And the only contact these guys had with each other ever was either slinging bullets at each other or in the very minimal, you know, times when they'd raise a flag to be able to recover the dead from the battlefield. Um, but this particular night, Christmas Eve, the Germans were singing Christmas carols. And then some of the British started singing Christmas carols. And then there was someone who said, you know, come over here and we'll let's sing together. Like, no, we'll meet you halfway. There were some that spoke both languages. And they, in this beautiful story, they came out of their trenches in what was called the Christmas Eve truce. Um, they came out of their trenches. They sang. There's a story um, that some wrote about that and very apropos for World Cup. They, there was a soccer game that started between these 200 you know, players. Someone pulled out a soccer ball. Um, someone was giving haircuts to the opposite people. They had a night that transcended the war that was about Christmas and about the spirit of Christmas, which is love, and about um peace that they certainly hoped for and about their families. Um, and as the dawn came, they went back to the respective trenches. And as we know, the war was not over for another three years, but it was a night of peace and of harmony and of showing that, you know, people could live together and be together side by side, which I think is such a hopeful message, especially as we're going through all that we're going through right now in the world. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, you know, when I was doing church and I would do a Christmas Eve service, I mean, the message, the message is not just there's this one day, but it it's how we we treat it. I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful if those soldiers could have had that Christmas Eve every day, like the next day and the next day? And, mm -hmm. and my heart just goes out so much to them that they had to go back to following orders of these arbitrary authorities <laughs> that told them you had to kill these people and. Because what's what's so possible for us is to have that love transcends all every day, and it's it's definitely possible for us. And mm. but that that story is such an inspiration of um, being able to lay down your arms, whether that's the people you're fighting in the opposite trench, or maybe somebody that you've been fighting with or seeing in a certain light, 
well, or they, um, something that you've been unforgiving towards or who has rejected you that, you know, maybe we can lay down our arms <laughs> and have a Christmas miracle this year too. Because I think, like you say, uh, the world's in a, it, uh, and I've said this too, the world's in a very divided condition. So, you know, who's, we're taking the bait, you know, who's going to make the change? We can do it and we can create a Christmas miracle for ourselves and just stop being divided. Well, one of the things we talk about a lot is how miracles basically help us see the commonalities and the similarities with each other. And I think that's what happened on that Christmas Eve. They, you know, became one spirit. Whereas, you know, so much of today we're focused on our differences and how, you know, we don't share the same kinds of things. And when we go around and Katie and I talk about miracles and we talk about the second really theme of our of the miracle collectors, we talk about connection and deepening connection. And that's about, you know, finding things where we can connect. Sure, we're all going to have our differences. We're going to have difference of opinions. We have different hair color. We have different eye color. We have different everything. But we still are united in that human, in that human spirit. Um, and I think that's the thing about Christmas time. I mean, it is absolutely my favorite time of year. I, I ever since I was a little kid, I, you know, and I think that it's because of, I mean, you touched on it, Carol, that it brings out the best in us some of the time <laughs> over the holidays. And it would be wonderful if we could just do that all year round. And I think that some people do. Um, one of the stories that we talk about that came to light after our manuscript was finished, but that we we really, really love, um, happened in a, a relatively small town in Minnesota. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joan. Um, but it was two years ago. Everybody remembers, you know, the holidays over the over the pandemic, the first pandemic year. And this was a town uh, that had been hard hit with job loss, uh, et cetera. And there was a man who pulls up to a Dairy Queen window to order his lunch or, you know, whatever it was, and decides that he's going to pay for the car behind him. Well, mm -hmm. she pulls up to the window and they tell her that the guy in front of you just paid for your meal. Um, and she says, well, I, I want to do it for the guy that's behind me. So anyway, and then that guy comes up. Well, this went on for 900 cars and three days. Now, nobody stopped to say, are you a Democrat or a Republican? Right. You know, um, do you, how do you feel about vaccines? You know, right. it just was, it was just, I want to do something nice for the person that's behind me. As Joan said, connection, to, I'm, I'm going to make a connection. And none of those things matter. And I think that that is the, literally the hallmark of miracle stories is that they can, everyone can relate and get beyond and get behind stories of kindness and love. Yeah, I think about some of the 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 shows that I grew up with, like The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, and and things like that, which is a huge miracle, a change of heart. Like it was like the Grinch had this change of heart. It wasn't like he changed any kind of aspect of his being, other than his heart grew three times bigger. And same thing with Scrooge. You know, all, the Christmas stories that are told over and over and over again are these stories right. of miracles and transformations. And and you know, the the original Christmas story. You know, whether it doesn't really matter to me what religion you are and whether you're Christian or not. It's it's an amazing story, and it's a story where all these different kinds of human beings came together miraculously on this one night. You know, it's like, how would that happen? You you know, it and 
And like I say, I, I don't know that it all happened on one night, but the way the story goes, it's this wonderful miracle that there's shepherds that were kind of the the lowlifes of the world. And then there are these kind of these uh, wise men or magi that are kind of have their own, you know, very kind of esteemed play way. And, and then the animals. And it's like, it's it's a really good representation of everyone coming together around the birth of something new. And 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 I feel like that could be happening now if we can make that happen now, that we can all come together around the birth of something new. But I think that's very, very true. But it also brings up the point that, you know, we are all here, you know, sort of for a purpose. And mm-hmm. we can all sort of be the miracle for each other, you know, in a particular kind of way. And when you say that all these things came together that one night or however it, it had happened as, as we tell the story. You know, there's a wonderful story that again happened. Um, it wasn't exactly Christmas, but it was this woman's birthday and we all have birthdays and we all can, can relate, can relate. And this one particular day, um, this one particular waitress in Orlando, Florida um, was asked by a coworker if she would please pick up her shift and you would think that maybe because it was her birthday, she might have said no, but she said, all right, I, I can do that for you. Um, and so fate placed her at her job um, at this uh, restaurant uh, in Orlando. It and was New Year's Eve, by the way. Hmm? It, was it was New Year's it Eve. It was New Year's Eve. Oh, it's holiday. It's still a holiday. So it's still yeah, it, holiday. Was, it was over the holidays, for sure. It was, absolutely. All right. So it's a holiday story. I love the fact that it was a birthday story, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. The best of all worlds. At any rate, a family comes in, a man, a woman, a child, um, a daughter, and uh, they order. They don't. The family doesn't order anything for the for the boy who looks to be 10 or 11 years old, um, which the waitress thinks is very odd because all 11 year old boys are always starving because they have a hollow leg going on. And so (laughs) she thinks something's off in a miss. And so she um, looks a little closer and she notices that the boy's got some sort of, you know, keeps pulling down his sweatshirt and keeps pulling up his sleeves. And, and she sees some scratches and some bruises and she thinks, you know, this isn't, this isn't normal. This isn't right. And through a series of coincidences, they had um, positioned themselves in the restaurant in a place where she could be seen from the kitchen and, and see the boy, but the pair behind the parents where they couldn't see her. And she, went to the kitchen and she wrote a sign, you know, are you okay? And, you know, do you need help? And to the first two signs that she wrote, he he didn't respond. But the third time she asked, she just knew in her gut that something wasn't right. And she followed that instinct. And so she asked again, are you okay? Hang, pulling up the sign. And he shook his head, you know, do you need help? Yes, I do. Um, she called her boss. She called the police. The police came and found out this young man had been tortured. He had bruises all over him. He had been hung upside down in some sort of bizarre contraption. He had, you know, evidence of broken bones and whatever. And they were convinced that had he not been taken from this home, had she not made a difference, his time on earth would be very, very limited. But things conspired to save the life of this boy, not least of which was this woman sort of stepping up and stepping out of her own comfort zone, because we never know what kind of a response we're going to get when we reach out to help some to help someone. Um, at any rate, I think it was just, it's a beautiful story. And it reminds us to just um, 
reach out and help people. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm thinking about how many times I wonder if I've, I don't know that I have, but how many times I wonder if I've seen something but I haven't acted. I just don't know. I mean, I'm not really conscious. Well, I'm conscious of a few things. I, I'm, I'm conscious of once not stepping in when I saw somebody hurting his dog. And that really, really, it haunts me. It haunts me, my, my, my life. Like, what, could I have said something? Could I have done something? I was actually kind of afraid of getting in the middle of, middle of it. But, but what a wonderful um, story that she, first of all, she said yes on New Year's Eve and her birthday. And second of all, that she just didn't have that, that feeling, you know, that feeling about something's off. And I always kind of wondered, she actually came up with a really creative way to communicate with him. Um, boy, I'd be really interested in how he ended up. Do you know anything about that? I think he's ended up, you know, alive and in place in a foster home. Yeah. Uh, he turned out he was not, he was the mother's son, but not the stepfather's son. Mm. And there was a whole history of, of things. No, it was but the stepfather. Let... Yeah, the stepfather that was um, arrested and convicted. Of, okay. Um, child yes. abuse and child endangerment and, you know, and who knows what. And that would have been New Year's Eve of 2020 to 2021. Wow. This is so, pretty recent. Um, yeah. So it's oh, yeah. Not, and it was just, just very recent. It, yeah. it, it's not that long ago. But, you know, whenever we have conversations, we always love to talk about this, this idea of being the miracle. And, you know, we like to say, and we probably did in our first um podcast with you, Carol, that, you know, in the miracle business, we like to say, you know what your job is. And you just, you just talked about a time when perhaps it was your job and you chose not to step in. I think it's always a risk. You know, I think you have to make a rational choice in situations like that. But when we say, you know what your job is, we're not talking about, you know, a, a formal job description. Uh, we're talking about the fact that you're the right person in the right place at the right time, which is exactly what happened for this waitress in Orlando and happens to all of us actually more than we think. If if you, you know, sort of conjure up all the people you come across, sometimes it's really just as simple as a smile, mm -hmm. so you know, that can that can, you know, maybe just make somebody's day. Um, but obviously other times it's much more dramatic than that, uh, as happened in the story that Joan just relayed. Um, but we all, we all have an opportunity to be the miracle for each other. Uh, and I think that theme also comes out at Christmas time, uh, in literature, in movies, you know, I mean, one of my favorite, um, old time uh, stories, I mean, obviously a Christmas Carol Dickens, a Christmas Carol that you mentioned Scrooge. I mean, that's, a wonderful story about a change of heart, but there's also the story of um, O. Henry that published a story called The Gift of the Magi, which is probably less well-known, but it's the story of a very poor couple who desperately wanted to buy each other something for Christmas. And Della has this beautiful hair and she decides to go and sell her hair to purchase a watch chain for Jim, her husband, because his only real, you know, valuable possession was a pocket watch. Uh, and so Jim, on the other hand, is thinking, I want to get Be Della something. And he decides to buy her these beautiful combs for her hair. Well, she chops off her hair to purchase the, the uh, chain for his watch. And he sells the watch 
to buy the beautiful combs for her hair. And it's a story, obviously, about, you know, love and sacrifice and and how the ultimate gift is to give everything that you have. And that's why I love that story. And that's why I think Christmas time, you know, the, the biggest message is this idea, you know, we we make have made it very commercial. But of course, it's really about giving of yourself, giving whatever you have to give. I think what's really interesting as well is this notion of, you know, being the miracle for others is, is, you know, it's, you try to think of something really special, like the gift of the Magi, but you try to also, though it's, it's little things, you know, not every, not every, we, we talk a lot about sort of miracles being on this continuum from these sort of the thunderbolt miracles we always think about, you know, the parting <laughs> of the Red Sea or whatever to, you know, just small acts of kindness that occur in the grocery store or that occur. And, and I, as, as you said, I travel a lot. I came in last night, um, late into the San Francisco airport and the Uber was waiting outside to take me to, you know, where my, where I'd parked my car some 50 miles away. And, um, but there was a woman, <laughs> it was a younger woman. She had two twin boys in a carriage. Um, one of them howling, uh, she looked exhausted already, and that wasn't all she had. She also had two big carts, luggage carts, packed high, stacked with stuff. And they were the kind of luggage carts, not the ones you just roll. They were the kinds that you have to push down at, before they move. I don't know if you've seen those that kind. So she's only got two hands. She's got a carriage, and she's got these two carts that she has to push down to move. Now, she didn't realize that when she put the stuff on the cart and when her husband left with the three-year-old to park the car. So she's standing there in the doorway and I'm just looking at her going, oh my God, do you need help? And she, she looked and she was like, oh yes. <laughs> so I tried, you know, I, I took a cart and then we started going. And then this other gentleman came, you know, two of us were struggling. One of us was struggling with two things and the other one had the carriage. She had the carriage. And this other gentleman came because I want, let me help. And so he took a cart and we're looking for the Lufthansa. It turns out she was going off for a week to visit her parents who lived in France. So she was taking, she had all this stuff for an international flight. She didn't know where she was going. We ended up wandering around the airport for a while, finding the desk. And as we left her and kind of with the smoke, you're my Christmas angels. <laughs> and oh, you know, we all have the ability to be a Christmas angel because I have to tell you, it took me like, you know, under five minutes and, you know, you just have to offer to help sometimes. And it just so, makes a difference. I just, I literally just heard another story that's kind of similar to that. Um, a, a very old friend of mine, her daughter came to town who I'd never met and, and, and said, you have to go visit Katie. So she came over and she was telling me a story of her, her flight from, you know, Augusta, you know, South Carolina to Charlotte. I mean, it was a very short flight, but there was a young mom on this flight uh, who had like a 16 month old child and she was rushing to try and catch her next, uh, her connection. And uh, Devin, this young lady who came to visit me, she had all the time in the world. So she at, so she's trying to gather this wait for the stroller and did with the kid. She said, can I, you know, can I help you? So she literally hands her the kid and she follows her to the next gate. And she's just waiting with this child while she goes up to recheck the stroller in and do whatever she had to do. And then she comes back and gets her, her child and she's off, you know, in the gate. Well, Devin starts to walk away and a man um, came up to her, 
literally was crossing her. And she said, I don't think he was standing anywhere near me. Um, but he came up to me and he looked right in my eyes and he said, you know, everybody needs an angel. Wow. wow. And, you know, it was, she goes, he literally came out of nowhere. And so anyway, I thought that was kind of a cool story. That's very dear. Very, very. And, you know, I, I think that, um, kind of back to that Christmas story, I, I think I always teach also that all of the aspects of that story are us. You know, it's kind of a way of looking at the story. It's not like they're all out there. So we are the angel. We are mm. the star. You know, we, mm. we, the, 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 guiding, the guiding light. We are the angels that sing and that, that, that are joyful and that help. And we are the lowly shepherds and we are the, the mother and the father and the baby. So uh, I love this. I just love this idea of being the angel because I think we do, we're always looking out there for the angels. Who's going to be my angel today? But, you know, it, ultimately it, it comes back. It comes back to pointing to us and we can be an angel, angel to anyone. These stories, these stories about the children, um, I, this is kind of an aside. It has nothing to do with this. But I remember, I remember when I was pregnant. You know, especially when you have the big, big belly. For me, I remember people being so kind and opening doors and helping me with everything. But once I had the baby in the stroller and the packages and the suitcases and the everything, <laughs> I was stuck at the door. No one's helping. <laughs> I think we become afraid. I think sometimes there's fear. Involved oh, in, trying in to help helpful. somebody yeah. because you know people go no I can do it myself or whatever and sometimes it takes effort to to accept help mm -hmm. you know you see that uncertainty like you know are they helping me because they just want to help or are they helping me because they're going to pick my pocket or are they helping me because there's an ulterior motive we become very you know jaded and fearful in a particular kind of way and so that's why sometimes we talk about this notion of sort of miracle courage of like, you know, a miracle vision and, you know, trying to see things in a different way and, and trying to be brave and offering to help. Because even if somebody says, no, I'm, I don't need your help. What's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is, I think, that you see something that you could have helped and you didn't stop and then it it, it bothers you. Yes. Um, and that to me is the worst that can happen. So therefore it, it behooves us all to just, you know, make the effort and try, but it, it's, and I think that that story in Minneapolis, the reason I particularly love that story is I love this notion that good works, that paying it forward is contagious. You know, it shows that it, it, it can, all of us can participate in that. Um, and that notion of, you know, we know bad things like the flu or COVID are contagious, but it's wonderful to think that, you know, generosity of spirit and joy and, um, you know, love is also contagious. I, I think that it's important to also focus on, which you touched upon, Joan, the idea that it's also really hard to accept help and that it it's important that all of us, you know, ask for help when we need it and accept it when it's offered, um, if in fact we need it. Uh, because, you know, again, it gets back to that connection, that connection piece. Uh, but Carol, when you first reached out about a Christmas miracle, you know, podcast, I had just reacquainted myself with a story that's, you know, it's a wonderful life. Uh, and I, I love, I think part of it is that, you know, when you think about the movies that you love the most, I mean, how many of them are from Christmas time, right? Wife, it's a wonderful life, the holiday, love actually, whatever. I mean, they are they are so uplifting and um and joyful. 
but this particular story happened um, a few years back, and it is almost identical to It's a Wonderful Life in a way, but it's a real life version of it. When a, uh, you know, disabled New York um, NYPD officer uh, who had kind of fallen on hard times, he was an an admitted alcoholic. Um, His father had recently died, who was also an an NYPD officer. Um, He'd lost his girlfriend. uh, And on 9-11, you know, he was sleeping in with a hangover and woke up to find the Twin Towers had fallen and that that this idea that his, you know, fellow officers that he had known and loved had rushed in to help uh, while he slept off a hangover was just, it was just, you know, his self-loathing and how he felt about himself. It, it, it just was more than he could take. And over that fall, he went to some 20 funerals for his friends and associates. And he decided that um, the next funeral was going to be his own. He just couldn't live with himself anymore. So on Christmas Eve, he boards a train to Albany because uh, he had helped out a couple uh, a few years before, and they had told him about a beautiful place near Lake George. And he thought, well, at least I can get some peace Um, And that's where he was going to go. He brought his father's Bible and his father's revolver with him on this train ride. That's all he had. And all he wanted was to be left alone on this train Mm -hmm. ride. And this older woman comes over, sits next to him and starts to chat him up, which irritated him to no end. I mean, he just thought, I don't want, you know, this is not what I want, you know. And so he's trying to like, in fact, he was initially rude to her, Um, but she just keeps chatting away about her life. And he's just thinking, I can't even believe this is happening to me. But slowly, she got him to open up about his own life. And he started to talk. And her compassion for him in listening to this story was so much that he got very emotional um, and just couldn't believe that someone could understand that there was anything redeeming about him at all, really. And so as they're pulling into Albany, she leaves and she comes back with a uh, a note on a pink piece of paper that she hands to him. And she says, Dean was his name, Dean, I don't know where you're going, but when you get there, read this. And so um, she, he gets off the train. He makes his, it's Christmas Eve during the day. He makes his way to this place near Lake George up a trail And he sits down and he opens up her letter, which um, now I'm going to have to find exactly what it says, unless, Joan, you have it right there. Um, But but the gist of it was that, Dean, don't never forget that life is. Oh, you have it? I do. Oh, yay. Dean, life is a gift meant to be shared. Don't ever give up hope. Merry Christmas, Aaron. So. Life is a gift meant to be shared. Don't ever give up hope. And he he sat there and he stared at this message from her. And slowly the weight on his shoulders started to lift. Um, Eventually he got up, he emptied the chamber of the gun. He got up, he made his way back down the trail. Um, Over a very short period of time thereafter, he stopped drinking Uh, He moved to Florida 
to kind of start over. Uh, he was also a veteran and he uh, found his calling in helping other veterans. He met the woman that he would later marry, completely changed his life around. And he put Aaron's note in his father's Bible. He made attempts to locate her in Albany. To, he knew she was a grandmother. He had some details about her life, of course. Um, he was never able to find her. Uh, and um, I, I just thought it was one of the most beautiful stories, but a Christmas story that actually mirrored George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life almost to a T. Um, she wasn't Clarence. Uh, she was Aaron, uh, but definitely an angel. Wow. That's incredible. That's an incredible story. And it does remind us that we can be those angels. And I think the other thing that really moves me about that is I think that we completely forget that everyone, especially if you're in despair, um, that everyone just wants to be seen. You may you may not know that. You may think that you don't want to be seen. You know, like he he felt all the survivor guilt and 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 wanted to just disappear. But but what she did, sitting next to him, annoying him at first, <laughs> and then just continually he and having him, allowing him to open up. And he only opened up to her because she saw him. You know, mm-hmm. that's she, right. She could see through all the layers to his heart, to his soul, and we can bear witness to everyone in that way. And um, and it is such a gift, and it can, it can it can take some emotional energy because you do have to kind of go over you have to go over that activation energy of well what will they think and is this right or do they want to be left alone and but it's really just a matter think of really listening to your intuition you know like like the woman who was the 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 server who helped the little boy listen to that intuition that voice inside she must have been guided to sit by him and 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 talk. Oh, right. Oh, absolutely. And and what she gave him, I think, and as you you put it in such a beautiful way that we all just want to be seen, um, I think she handed him his worthiness. Back. Yes. He was, he was worthy of love. And, you know, uh, as was this little boy, and that's why she she tried so hard to make sure she got an answer out of him, the waitress. Um, but yes, I think that these people that just, you know, show up at the right time at they're in the right place uh it's it's truly um it's truly amazing it it also kind of reminds us to be out in the world <laughs> you know to be out in the world and, and be be keep our awareness out you know i think sometimes we can get very um st- stuck in our own place and our own little world with our own friends and our own social structure or, or especially during covid when we were all you know, in, in lockdown or, you know, we were all stuck and people, a lot of people, I know people who haven't come out yet. They're still in their homes. They're still staying in their homes in fear. And, and not only are you denying yourself life and being out, you know, you experience in the world, but you're also denying yourself to be that opportunity to show up for someone out there in the world. And I think that story just really, really, really uh, touches me. Well, it's, I think it's, um, you know, we put out this this monthly newsletter where we talk about these kinds of stories. And one of the things that, you know, Katie goes on to talk about is this beautiful sort of tribal philosophy from Africa about Ubuntu, which is, I see you. You know, we are connected. I'm, al- you know, we're alive because we see each other. We, um, and, and we need that, you know, isolation is a very, very dangerous thing for us. And so we need to have, you know, be out in the world. But 
Um, we can also be attentive from our own homes. And that's to lead to another sort of holiday uh, in the 12 days of Christmas story. And that's what um, a woman in Denver did as she looked out her window on the 12th day of Christmas that overlooked a pond. Again, kind of Katie going back to It's a Wonderful Life and the opening scene uh, of kids oh, going down right. the uh, going down the 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 slide hill and then you know uh George's brother falling into the falling into the drink as this uh young woman 23 year old looked out her window she saw three children you know skating on the ice which was great until they fell in oh um, my gosh and she ran out her door you know uh and she pulled two of the she was able to pull two of the children out of the lake um the third child however was still in and as she tried to get closer the ice under her broke and she also went into the into the I guess it was a pond more than a lake uh she also went into the pond so she you know went over to the to the child who by now was um had passed out trying to keep her head above water and um was able to do so until help arrived because then others saw had seen what had happened and came and and whatever and all three children survived but be only because of her quick thinking and her ability to say, okay, I'm here, but I can also be a person out there, person of the world, somebody who's able to assist. Again, being the right person in the right time. Uh, this woman was 23. You don't have to be old. You don't have to, you can be young. Um, and there are just these, you know, wonderful things that just happen as a matter of course of life. And by, you know, practicing that, that, uh, philosophy of Ubuntu, where we see each other, and then people re- recognize that they're seen, um, giving someone feedback and identifying that worthiness, I think is a huge miracle. So we try to do with our children, right? You know, try to express that they're worthy, and yes. they're worthy of love and that they're worthy of, you know, um, faith and, and all of those things. Well, so Joan, one of we wrote an entire chapter called, you know, 90% of life is showing up. So Carol, your point about you have to put yourself out there. Um, and it reminds me of, I was watching, uh, I was watching the Today Show and they were interviewing a 97 year old physician uh, who goes, still goes to work every day. And she said something that I thought was so powerful, which was, they said, well, why, why do you do it? And she said, well, because um, I may have uh what someone else needs. You know, mm. I may be the one person that is is offering, you know, that right person something that they need to hear or, you know, and I just thought, yeah, you might be the person um that that has a message, not couched in that way, of course, but that, you know, resonates with someone else because of something that you say or that you're that you're there. And Joan, this is a really big topic for Joan, who always shows up everywhere, all the time. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. <laughs> so, you know, and, and Joan's whole thing is it's not just about physically showing up. I mean, you have to put up, you have to, you know, have the energy to engage with people um, and to care about them, um, to be an observer, to be aware, as you put it, Carol. Um, so, yeah, I think, and of course, you know, again, Christmas time, there's lots of opportunities. You know, I think Joan and I are on absolutely on the same uh, wavelength in terms of uh, being out there with all the stuff that's going on. I'm kind of like, you know what, 
I gave COVID a year and now life's too short. <laughs> Who knows? I feel the same way. Life's too short. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm out there, you know? I'm, we got to live. Like, we got to live. Even if we die living, we got to live. Yeah, um, exactly. If you die yeah. living, then you die there's living, a, but you've got to live. There's yeah. I just, I just want to make a really quick point, Joan, before we go on. Uh, one is this idea of being out there. I, I do know that uh, introverted people go, not, that's not me, that's not me. And I, I don't think it has to do with extroversion at all. It's, it's no. an attitude. It's a way of being. And the metaphor that I want to pull from the story of the 23-year-old and the, uh, the rescue of the children is the metaphor of looking out the window. Like you can oh, be in yes. your home, you can yes. be in your body, you can be... A, a quiet person, but if you have a way of being that metaphorically is looking out the window, meaning you're you're able to have your awareness be outside of you, and 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 maybe seeing you know what is there for me today. You don't have to be extroverted. You don't have to be out there in the world talking to people to to have that kind of attitude and that way of being in life. I just want to make that point before you go on. No, that's a wonderful point. And that's, ex that's exactly right. I mean, Helen Keller had a wonderful thing that she said that, you know, when we do the best we can, right, we show up however it is that we show up. Um, when we do the best we can. We never know what miracles might be wrought in the life of another. I mean, I think that's that's the point. We don't even have to know that it's made a difference to someone else because you just never know. People might come up to you years later and go, oh, when you said... And we, we have, you know, there are stories certainly about that. Um, what a difference you can make in someone's life. And that's that's the beauty of, you know, what we kind of call the ripple effect of, of miracles or the ripple effect of being in the world, because we all have that ability to be that miracle for someone else. Yeah. And that woman, uh, what was her name? Erin? I can't remember the woman Aaron. who wrote the, Erin, yes, wrote the letter. Yes. Yeah, she'll never know. She'll never know the impact that, that she had on, on that man. And it's okay. And that's okay. And and that is okay. And and the three of us that are sitting here have that's happened both for us and we've been the conduit for others and and have have no idea, um, you know, because I, I'm sure all of us have you know we're, have been in a situation where someone tells you later on. I mean, I, I remember um, going out with a couple that we you know anyway they came to visit New York City and. He said to my husband, um, I remember the note that you wrote me 20 years ago when I had this medical crisis and what you said. And, and I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Yeah. These are things that, you know, you're lucky if you find out, but we all, we all do things that um, we don't necessarily have any idea the impact that we have. Although... It's really nice sometimes when we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about that's about gratitude and you know, like being proactive about telling people thank you and how much they mean to you. And and again, that's a holiday thing, but it should happen all year long. You know that that we express that kind of thing. Absolutely, I think that's right. And I think you know one of the really nice things sometimes is that. Um, one of the things that's happened sort of with the miracle collectors sometimes is someone will give the miracle collectors book as a gift to someone. And then years later, they'll, I just got a call this week from someone who said, you know, that person in this book helped me and I just needed to read. I needed to hear, I needed to see. And thank you for that. And they, you know, call and say, 
thank you. It's like, oh, okay, I guess that's what keeps us going on this, you know, miracle journey to a particular sense. It's because you just never know who needs to hear that, you know, miracle message, that that message of whether it's empowerment or whether it's just a, of inspiration or of hope. Um, it's something that we all, I think it's important to be reminded of. Yeah, I, we, we do never know. And that's how I look at this podcast, that I, it, it goes out into the airwaves, it goes out into the world. There are people listening all around the world. I have no idea who these people are. I have no idea, but there's thousands of people out there. And I always say, if it's going to land on the heart of at least one person. It's going to land on the heart of at least one person. Every, every podcast that I put out there, some one person out there, maybe a lot more, but even if it's just one, that's that's a that's an amazing gift and that's that's a great thing and i never know but i just trust i trust i have faith that i'm inspired to do this work as you guys are inspired to do this work your work that mm -hmm. it goes out there and the the rest is okay spirits in charge the rest of the way it's going to land on the right person's heart and and that's going to be enough that's how i feel about it mm -hmm. you know there's a quote that we have that we have in the book that i'm i'm, I'm about to butcher but i'm but it's worth mentioning <laughs> um, i think his name is kent kent newburn um said something along the lines of we live you know around our tiny hearth fires ordinary lives um but our light our small flicker of light may be exactly what someone lost in the dark needs to see and I, I just, I love that idea that, you know, you don't have to be, you know, um, these don't have to be grand gestures. You don't have to be famous. You know, this is about your ordinary life and putting out your light um, that may be exactly what somebody needs to needs at that moment. Um, and I, I love that. I love that idea of light. You know, and and you know, again, Jesus as as light, the light of the world, um, and that I think is probably my favorite, you know, sort of idea of God is that it's light and it's love. Um, well, yeah, and He said, "You are the light of the world." <laughs> so you know, we 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 are we are light, and yes, and yes. and that that was a, a big part of the message, and to yes. go and love everyone, love your enemies, right. love love people who hate you. Right. You know, love your neighbor, love everybody. That was the whole message that 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 light that came into the world gave to us. And, right, right, and right. so, you know, and, and I think we fret about, well, the world just really sucks and the world's so dark and look at how bad things are. We're so divided and all of that's true. And it doesn't have any real impact on my choice to, to light, to be my light in my it's way. It has zero impact on that. I mean, the whole world can go dark and I can say, this little line of mine, I'm going to make a chime. <laughs> I can, I can choose that, but it's, it's not like all the stuff that's going on in the world can overcome any one of our ability to choose to bring love and light to this moment. Now we have this at every moment and that's a miracle. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I think when people hear the word miracle, you know, they think, oh, you know, come on. I mean, you know, how can you believe in miracles when all this tragedy um, and, and, and truly horrible things happen every single day. Um, and I guess, you know, our answer is that, first of all, as Joan said earlier, miracles are on this continuum. 
And, you know, Einstein and his, there's only two ways to live your life. One is as though everything is a miracle and, and the other is though, you know, nothing is a miracle. Um, obviously, I think the three of us are, you know, in the same camp on that. But when it comes to the world and how dark it can be, um, I think miracles offer us an opportunity to shift our focus. You know, yes, yes, acknowledge this is there. It's it's terrible. Um, but to shift our focus to to hope, um, to love, to light, and that makes all the difference. Yeah, I completely agree. And and I come back to that original story. I mean, the whole world could be going to pop, but this little baby was born, and every little mm-hmm. baby comes in as that light. You know, right. almost almost is coming coming from coming from uh, the divine the divine world, heaven, whatever people want to call it, and and every every little every birth. It can, and they happened in the middle of war. They happened, you know, battlefields. They happened, you know, in all sorts of tragedies. And but there's always um, there's always another there's always something else going on. I actually had a podcast guest earlier this week. He's going to be published after this one, though. And he quoted someone. I can't remember who it was, but um, the the key is that whatever tragedy is happening now, there's always something else happening. There's always something else going on. And so we can find that other thing that is a bright light, that is a message of love, that is the angel, and focus on that versus the tragedy that's that's befell us right in front of us. Mm-hmm. You know, and a perfect example of that, which we do talk about in the book, and so I apologize, this isn't exactly a Christmas story, but um, but it's a, it, it, an ex- it's a perfect example of what you just said. And that's that on 9-11, and, and how can there be too many things that are worse than that? Um, all of the boats out into the water without any coordination whatsoever among themselves or anything else, they tugboats, party boats, ferry boats, you know, commuter boats, whatever they were, they turned around and headed toward the south end of Manhattan when they saw the black smoke. Um, unaware of whether another attack was coming, unaware of, you know, what could possibly happen to them. Instead of running away, they ran into, into this dangerous, terrible situation. And 500,000 people had run to the south tip of Manhattan to escape um, the whiteout conditions, the terrible thing that was going on, because actually that was their only direction that they could go. Mm. Um, And then eventually the Coast Guard did get involved and did start to coordinate all of these, all of these boats. But in a matter of nine hours, it was the largest maritime um, rescue, I think, in history, in including Dunkirk. I think it's like in Dunkirk, it took, you know, nine days. But Mm -hmm. on September 11, it took nine hours. And they got all half a million people off of um, Manhattan. And it really was the story of people choosing to look at what they could do, how they could help, um, and turned catastrophe into really hope and wonder at, at at what they accomplished. It was an amazing, amazing thing to see, apparently. Well, and I... I, that's it is a wonderful story and a wonderful 
outpouring. And it's, I think one of the things that we do do is rise to the occasion often. But one of the things that is so important, I think, for people to recognize is that it's not just in these major times of calamity and horror that, you know, the better angels can sing, but it's really, we each have our small, as you said earlier, Katie, our small light to contribute, even though there's darkness in, in around us. And that it's losing hope to think that our light is not worth anything, or we can't contribute anything, or we can't change anything. That's where, you know, sort of evil really resides in my mind when it, you know, quells and quenches the the human spirit, um, which is in all of us, to be able to be that miracle for others, to be able to let our light shine, to be able to be that, you know, that right person in the right place at the right time who can do only what we can do. We should never lose sight of the importance of, of that in in things big and small. Yeah, I think that's that's quite a theme for today. It's interesting. Last night I had a dream. And I, I I don't remember the whole dream, but I remember being in a situation with a group, and I remember this person that I was in this group with voicing all these lies about us. The point is, without going into that, is do I speak or do I walk away? And in the dream, I walked away, and I and when I woke up, I'm like, why did I walk away? <laughs> My psyche is telling me that there's something I need to say, something I need to do, and I I appreciate that my psyche is creating that for me because because it was kind of an elaborate dream for that to come about. But that's exactly what you're talking about. The evil lies in the indifference or the evil lies yes. in the quietness, the evil lies yeah. in the non-action. And, and we aren't always in situations where we can be in action, but that we ought to be having that looking out the window kind of attitude because and, and being ready and being willing to step out, say something or do something or, or be something or go towards towards the danger. Well, you know, there's a big, you know, branding theme in New York since 9-11 that's on every subway. And, you know, it says, if you see something, say something, Mm. you know, but it's, it's really a true thing for all of us. And I love your metaphor of looking out the window. I think that's great. I mean, I know it's associated with this story, um, uh, from a literal standpoint, but I love the idea of of having us all be aware of looking out our own window. Yeah. Okay, ladies, we got a few more minutes. Do you have some more, any, another story to tell or well, anything the, else you want to? The one story that I thought was kind of an interesting one, and as I thought about it, I thought it was kind of the no room at the inn sort of story. Okay. Um, which was, and it was told to us by when we were, um, being interviewed by one of the radio announcers uh, after publication of the book, he had told us that he had had a job in a, in a rectory and um, this day after high school or, you know, after school. And this one day the priest looked very tired and kind of, you know, a little distraught. And he sort of said, you know, well, what, what happened? And the priest explained to him that he had been up all night because, you know, uh, this distraught, uh, person had come to his door and really needed to talk. And it turned out he was kind of a famous entertainer type. And they had spent um, most of the night until dawn talking and he was having a crisis of faith. And he sort of talked, they both, or the person felt much better as he left, as the sun was coming up. Um, and before the, the gentleman left, he reached into his pocket and pulled out a wad of bills 
And the, and the priest said, no, 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 I, that's not, this is my job. This is what I do. I get up in the night. I talk to people. No, 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 you have to take this. And he kind of, the person opened the drawer and put, and put this wad of cash in and, and left. Well, the priest went to bed until he was woken a couple hours later by a parishioner who had come in. A gentleman had um, a wife and two small children, and they had been evicted from their apartment. So they were homeless. And he just could not deal with his family having to live in, in the car. And he had gone to social services. He had gone to whatever. He had found a place, but he needed to have, you know, and they said, yes, you qualify. Yes, you'll get money, but it's going to take time for us to, you know, get, go through all the paperwork and get all the approvals and actually get the checks. Um, but he didn't feel that he had time. He needed this one apartment today and he needed the money today and he needed to talk to someone. So he'd gone to see the priest and the priest said, well, I don't know what really you want me to do. You know, have you talked to, you know, charities? Have you gone to here? Have you gone there? And he said, no, I just, I need this first month's rent. I need a security deposit. I need this other amount. And the priest said, well, I don't, you know, we don't have that, that money. And then he kind of remembered a light bulb went on and he opened his drawer and he pulls out this wad of bills that had been given like three hours earlier. And he counts out the bills and change. And sure enough, it's the exact amount of money that this person needed to get the apartment. And it just reminded me of sort of this no room at the inn. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to go and you have to ask and you have to pull out all the stops. And then you have to just be willing to accept the inevitable of what's there. And I think that, you know, that's um, one of the quotes Katie and I most love is from Willa Cather, which is, you know, where there is great love, there are always miracles. And it's it's so true. It kind of just really reminded me of that story. Um, and this family had a place to, had a place to live. And I love all that the things that had a step, you know, play into that to make that happen. And the priest needed to be able to receive. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That's, yes. that's the other part that's so interesting. You know, yeah, that but- no, 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 no. It's like receive, and and then that that who knows what miracle will come out of receiving. Exactly. Right. right. We all exactly. have to remember that. Because as Katie alluded to earlier, we all have a hard time with saying, okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's probably how regifting began. <laughs> One of the Christmas traditions. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Well, I, I kind of want to wrap this up. I don't want to wrap this up. I'd love to keep going. But Katie and Joan, uh, just for everybody who's listening, I think I emailed you like two days ago and said, hey, what do you think about doing this? And I, I didn't even know if I had the right emails anymore. And you both said, yeah, let's do it. And and then we kind of scrambled to find a time and and we did it. It's a miracle that we came together to do this, you know? And because Meant I think be. the last time we talked was a year and a half ago. So yeah, um, yeah. so it was all about, we, we had looking out the window attitudes Oh, I'm so grateful. Yeah, it was it was it was really fun to um to talk to you again, Carol. So thank you. And of course, Joan and I are always willing to talk about miracles and miracle stories. But as you know, like I said, my favorite time of year and what better time of year to talk about miracles. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. What, what better time of year? So uh we'll just send these wonderful blessings out to everybody. And I didn't talk just to encapsulate what we just talked about. It seems like, you know, look out the window, be willing to receive. You're an angel. We're all angels. We, it doesn't have to be big. It can be the tiniest little things. We don't have to know how we impacted people, but if we just follow our own light and, and listen to our own intuition, we will be in the right place at the right time for ourselves and for others, and to be open to receiving from others who are in the right place in the right time for us. 
I think that yes. kind of covers it all. Perfectly. I think I think it was a great summary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Carol. We really enjoyed being with you and do have a happy, happy holiday. Yes, you too. You too, you. Katie, Joe, and everyone who's listening. I'm, and I now close the spiritual forum. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.